over 30 years of advice for your house, home, castle, or cabin. Y'all have things you want to get done. It's Rosie on the House. Right here, live this Saturday morning for you, the Arizona homeowner. You have a question you've been waiting to ask us all week long? Now's your chance. Give us a ring at one 767 We're in with a modified team of broadcast specialists today. Jennifer's on a road trip. So we have son number two, William Lee Romero, in the uh, call screener booth. You call one 767 William will get your name and your question. We'll get you on air as quick as we can to answer your question for your benefit as well as the benefit of all the listening audience. Our program engineer, Mr. Gary D., will make sure everything is set just properly so that my voice can go from this studio to the broadcast satellite 26,000 miles above Earth and shot right back down into your house or your car. He knows exactly where you are, and he's directing those radio beams right in on top of your head. Like, That's his job. I feel like Santa Claus. I see you <laughs> when you're sleeping. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, the radio cam. That's a dangerous thing. All right. So whether you're a newcomer to Arizona or you've been here your whole life, no matter what you're trying to do or where you're trying to do it, chances are we've already done it. And we've probably already done it in your neighborhood. Whether you're trying to remodel a wigwam bathroom in Wikiup, yep, we did that. Or you're trying to remodel a historic home on Birch Street in Flagstaff, yep, we did that. Or you're trying to build a project out in Apache County in Eager, Springerville, or Nutrioso, we've done that. You're trying to remodel a home down in Tucson, 4th Street in Alvernon is the home we built and remodeled right there and in the greater phoenix metro area there's not a neighborhood you can go in that we probably in our 48 years of being here haven't touched in some way so let us put all that building and remodeling experience to work for you the arizona homeowner and you can do it by simply dialing one 767 we'll do everything we can to get you the best answer current to today's technology, today's tools, today's products that are available. Before we get into the show and into some of the questions we've been receiving all week, I'd like to do just an old rosy tip of the hat to an organization called Homes for Our Troops. They are kicking off today. They're doing it right now in Casa Grande, They are starting a home for a Lance Corporal who is injured uh, pretty bad, pretty severely. And Homes for Our Troops is a national nonprofit organization that builds and donates specially adapted custom homes to severely injured post-9-11 veterans to enable them to rebuild their lives. So hats off to Homes for Our Troops who are getting a project kicked off in Casa Grande today. So if 
that's the kind of thing that tugs at your heartstrings, look them up. 501c3, you can certainly divert some of your charitable giving to Homes for Our Troops, doing a very, very worthy job indeed. Some of the questions we've been getting in all week long here at Rosie on the House before we go to the lines, and I'll tell you, there still is an open line if you want to jump in. one 767 All right, we've got this first email coming in. Uh, thanking us for what we do. Uh, I've listened to your program since the late 80s. But they, <laughs> they've been a long-time listener. And I've used a number of your network contractors with very good results. I have an in-ground pool that I need to get filled in or removed. However, I noticed that on your website, there are no excavation demolition contractors that note they specialize in that kind of work. Is there a contractor you can refer? Thank you for any information you can provide. Well, when I'm eliminating a swimming pool, and we've done it a few times over at Rosie Wright Design Bill, uh, you have to pull a permit from the county, regardless of where you are and what city you're in. You have to pull a permit from the county, and they regulate how that pool gets filled in. The first thing we need to do is take a jackhammer and go down in the bottom of the pool and bust up a bunch of holes in the bottom of the floor so that it doesn't serve as a sinking pit for moisture as it makes its way through the ground. You want that moisture that gets in there to leach all the way through. So we get in there with a jackhammer. We create big holes, really big holes, in the floor of your swimming pool. Then we take this big old concrete saw and your swimming pool has a collar all the way around it. Where the tile is, that's actually a concrete collar that kind of holds the top of the pool together. So we have to go in and cut the, the grout and the concrete just below that tile. And then we generally take the tile and the cool deck chip it up into little bitty pieces, and throw it into the bottom of the pool. And then we start filling the pool in layers with very strategic types of material to ensure once we're done that it won't settle with uh, whatever you put on top. Uh, maybe it's a pergola. Maybe it's landscaping that'll get watered constantly. Well, if it's a, if it's a big tree and it's being watered heavily, uh, you don't want whatever you put in that pool to sink and create a big sinkhole. So there are ways to do it. But no, uh, the last one we did, which was about, I want to say it was about 11 years ago. The last one we did cost the client about $11,000 to cave in a swimming pool done correctly per permit and code requirements. And I was going to add something, and you may okay. want to back up. Okay. Because I had that done. I had it completely removed. Oh, did removed. you really? Yeah, completely removed. Okay. I caused an earthquake next door to the uh, the neighbors because uh, there was a jackhammer, and they had to go right in and 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 uh, completely chisel it out. It was yeah. deep in ground. But according to real estate, uh, full disclosure, if you have a pool buried in yep. your backyard, you must have documentation when you sell the house that yep. there is a pool buried there. Correct? And, that, and, yeah, and that's yeah. exactly why it requires a permit at the county. 
because then that that lives in your title report right there. So, yeah, you do have to disclose it. Now, in in light of doing away with a swimming pool, that's one way of doing it. You can literally jackhammer the whole thing out and haul it away, but you still must backfill it in layers with strategic types of material to ensure it doesn't settle. But let me have you consider something else. How about draining the pool and building a deck over the top of the pool that is engineered in such a way that you gain the use of that real estate for a patio or a pergola, a little putting green, and then you gain the the space below that, which was the old swimming pool, as additional storage, maybe for your Christmas tree lighting, maybe for your holiday decorations. But that then becomes like a basement-type storage facility that then when you sell the house, that swimming pool shell, if they want it, the deck can be removed and the pool can be reinvigorated. So that is another option that's available by a company called Deck Over. They're right here in the Phoenix area, but they do work statewide. Their number is 602-331-1835. So there's a couple options for you in getting rid of that swimming pool. And as a grandfather, I just have one word of advice. Let your grandchildren vote. I would have done away with my pool 10 years ago. (laughs) I mean, in the blink of an eye, that pool would have been gone. (laughs) Boom. Uh, But my grandchildren have nothing of the sort. Of course. That's why they're grandkids. We we still try and have them over after church on Sunday for, for barbecues and whatnot. The only reason that pool exists in my backyard is for Tinley and Roxy and Remy and Landry and Chloe and Charlotte. And Will. Uh, and, and now Will. <laughs> and now Mr. Will. That's right. All right. So Will's call screening. He's got Robert queued up here. Robert, I'm going to beg your patience. We're going to go on just a quick little station break here. And I will be, you will be the first one that's up. And there are other openings if you want to get in. one 767 Robert has questions about replacing windows. And I know that's something you all probably, if your home is over 20 years old, should hear my answer to that. And you know what? I've got a special guest coming at 1030. You are absolutely not going to want to miss. I've been in Arizona since 1967. And do you know we have an opportunity to see something in the sky I never even thought we would see in Arizona? It's happened just here about a month ago. And they think it's going to happen again. You got to stay tuned for that segment. Happy days. Wednesday, happy days. Thursday, Friday, happy days. Saturday, what a day. Moving all week with you. Happy days. At every Arizona homeowner's happy place. Right here every Saturday morning with Rosie on the house. Mr. Gary D., why don't we bring Robert into the conversation and let's see how we might be able to help him on his project around the house today. Good morning, Robert. Good morning, sir. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you just fine. Okay. Um, Long-time listener, first-time caller. Um, love the show. Well, thank the, you. Um, 
so we have um, a, a house about 20 years old, okay. um, about 19 windows. Okay. They're cracking and they're getting old. Uh, I, mean, I can feel drafts coming through them and stuff like that. It's, it's probably time to replace them. Okay. So I, I took it on, started getting quotes and stuff like that. And I was shocked, right? I mean, I've looked <laughs> online and I've seen prices anywhere from 300 to, you know, say 900 for an average window. They say up to $1,200 for a, a good window, anything over that's a custom window. And I've seen, I mean, this one company wanted $68,000 <laughs> yeah. to replace my windows. I was like, that's that's half of my house, <laughs> know, you know? I, I mean, know. Um, so I was just asking advice on where, where would I go? I mean, I mean, are Home Depot windows good windows? I mean, do, do you have a, a recommendation on where to go to get a good quote on a okay uh, a good energy efficient window? Okay, all right, window replacement uh, and a twenty year old home. This is a frame home uh, with exterior insulation foam and stucco on it. Uh, the fact that it was twenty years old is actually going to help you quite a bit. Uh, homes built like that that are older present a lot of very complicated um, problems. Um, you're going to have an option of going to what they call a frame-over vinyl, which is going to be the least expensive, and they're going to bust the glass out, and they're going to bust the frame inside the window space out, but they're going to leave the frame in the stucco, and then they're going to put a frame over that that covers it, and then the window pops inside of that, Things get caulked between the frame and the stucco, and you're done. That's going to be your least expensive. It's also going to be the most visually offensive because it creates such big, blocky frames that you actually lose quite a bit of glass space. And uh, I, in my humble opinion, those projects are kind of an eyesore. But sometimes the budget dictates that's what you need to do. The other thing they're going to do, the other thing you're going to have a choice of doing is actually replace the window frame itself. And you've got a choice of staying with aluminum, which I would not recommend. You can get aluminum and you can get aluminum with thermal brakes in it, which might be a consideration. Aluminum conducts heat 1,800 times faster than wood. So an aluminum frame window in the summer in your home is the equivalent of a heater and a radiator. A west-facing aluminum frame, the frame, not the glass, the frame can exceed 115, 120, 130 degrees inside your home that you're trying to air condition to something under 80 degrees. So that's aluminum. Then you can get aluminum thermal brake, which has a little, let's just say it's a cork strip in between the outside frame and the inside frame so that the aluminum doesn't conduct all that heat inside. So aluminum frame is going to be one step above the investment level of the frame over frames. The thermal brake aluminum is going to be a step above that. And then somewhere a little bit below that, you could go to a new vinyl window. I am not a fan of vital windows, and I get an unbelievable amount of negative phone calls every time I talk about this on Saturday. Oh, I've had vinyl for 15 years. I'm just perfectly happy with it. I'm not a fan of vinyl windows. 
Pella makes a vinyl window that has a steel skeleton. And then the vinyl is wrapped around that, but it has a steel skeleton. A lot of other, most other vinyl window manufacturers depend on the strength of the vinyl to be the structural strength of the window. So you, again, you have to make it so big and so bulky, I think architecturally, it's kind of ugly. And then it's vinyl. And vinyl gets the elasticity cooked out of it by something called ultraviolet light, which is created by the sun, which we have more ultraviolet exposure here in the Sun Belt than virtually any other place in this great country of America. So I don't recommend vinyl windows. I don't install them. That leaves us with the next step up called fiberglass, pultruded, made by Pella. I think the impervia fiberglass Pella window should put every vinyl window manufacturer and every aluminum window manufacturer out of business. They're a little bit more expensive, but they're the right product for the Sunbelt. Then if you budget is, is uh, not a factor and you want to go for the best of the best, then, of course, the Paula Pella wood windows with the aluminum cladding is absolutely the cat's meow. That's the Rolls Royce of windows. So I would tell you to do what several homeowners have written me and told me what they did. They went with the Pella Impervia product, even if that meant they only did one side of the house at a time. 19 windows at your home is going to be a big significant price tag. I would recommend Pella Impervia, and I'd recommend doing just as many as you can. Start in the critical exposure areas, get the right kind of glazing package, and just go around the house as you can afford it. You'll be happier. And I want to say one thing about replacing windows. It's going to make your home quieter. It's going to make your home cleaner. And But it isn't going to... There are advertisers out there, window advertisers saying they're going to save you 40%. There isn't a window on the planet that's going to save you 40% of your electric bill. Don't buy it for that reason. Buy it for quality of life, quiet, beauty, and cleanliness. All right, let's see if we can go back to the lines here real quick. And we've got a special guest coming up. Talking about something you can see in Arizona. I've been here 56 years. I never knew you could see this in Arizona until about 10 days ago. So we're going to bring a special guest in and talk about what this is. But right now, let's go to Bob. Has a roofing question. We'll get Bob's question answered real quick. And then we'll go to our special guest. Bob, good morning. Good morning. Three years ago, we had our roof replaced on our 28-year-old house. It's just cement tile. You know, and on the valleys, there's only like maybe an inch to an inch and a half gap, you know, between the concrete tiles and the valleys. Okay. And we have like a mature uh, mesquite tree <laughs> in the front yard. Yeah. We get quite a bit of leaf debris yeah. in the valleys. And I'm worried that the valleys are getting, um, you know, obstructed yep. with the debris and need to be cleaned out. Um, there's yep. so little room. Yeah. So 
I don't, what do you think I should do? Well, if in fact you've only got that little bit of dis- distance between the two clay tile that are coming in on top of that valley, that valley ought to have uh, flashing under it that's at least eight inches wide from the center of the valley each direction. You ought to have a little bit wider opening than what you've currently got. Have you asked the roofer that did the job? Is he comfortable? That's the way he wants it? Uh, no, I haven't. I was just made aware of that okay. by my, my neighbor because he says, you know, you got to check that because yeah. the roof's getting three years, so it's starting to accumulate. But there is flashing. I can see it like where it runs, you know, at, okay. the, at the edge of the roof, you know. Well, the key, the key is going to be that landscaping litter, what we call landscaping litter and debris, and that shedding mesquite tree, depending on the type of mesquite it is. Uh, they can shed pretty heavy certain times of the year. Uh, so if I were you, I would go ahead and contact the roofer. It hasn't been that long that they couldn't give you a courtesy look-see and have them assure you they're confident. That's exactly the way they want it. Uh, if you're looking for a second opinion, take a look at the roofers at rosielnehouse.com. I know the roofers there will do courtesy inspections at no cost. Some of them will charge you $140 if you want a written report. And then maybe that investment in a written report sent to that roofer that did the job might be all the persuasion he needs to maybe come back and take a good hard look at whether that needs to be addressed or not. Okay, now for our special guest. I... I'm a very avid outdoorsman. I, I'm out under the stars camping out on a pretty regular basis and have ever since I got here in 1967. My dad took me places you can't believe. Oh, you're going to love this spot, little Rosie. <laughs> and in the beginning of June, I see an article in the newspaper that says the Aurorus Borealis was viewed in Arizona. So the first thing I did was call Dr. Sky, who's joining us right now. Dr. Sky, can you, <laughs> Good morning, can, Rosie. Can yeah. you see the northern lights in Arizona? Yes, you can, Rosie. Come on. to be in your house on Rosie on the House. Wow. Absolutely. You know, Aurora is amazing. The Aurora, a name Aurora means the goddess of the dawn. And as a little sidelight, you know, we have the most beautiful little white Vishan, who we call Aurora. She's the little goddess of the dawn. And <laughs> our Diana's listening right now. They never miss a show. But on a serious note, Rosie, this is interesting. Yes, you absolutely can see the Aurora Borealis from Arizona. Back in April, there was a large flare on the sun as we're going through Solar Cycle 25. And people in northern Arizona, probably even in central Arizona, Look to the northern sky just before dawn, again, the goddess of the dawn, Aurora, and they saw this amazing green and reddish glow, which is in the sky. And it's caused by particles of the sun's energy. These are protons from the sun. They stream out like a garden hose would. And when those particles come out from, say, a solar flare or what they call a coronal mass ejection, a little more complicated, we can on occasion see this. So we just want to let people know as the moon in the month of July, a little after the mid-portion goes to new, you want to have the darkest of skies and the darkest of locations. But that is amazing, Rosie, to be able to see this phenomenon. And in the southern hemisphere, they're called the Aurora Australis, and that also in Antarctica, probably right now, as it's going through the deep dark 
of maybe, what, six months of darkness, they get to see that pretty much on a regular basis. All right. Then I got a trick question for you. Sure. you. You astronomers that deal in 7,700 billion, 70 more million light years <laughs> can predict when uh, an asteroid is going to come around in 50 years, 100 years, 300 years. Can you predict? Losing, yeah. Can you predict for me when might be the best chance an Arizona homeowner could see the Northern Lights? Is it predictable? Simple answer. No, not really. Okay. They go by what's called geomagnetic storms. So I would tell people keep your eye on the websites that talk about solar activity. Okay. And let's say a solar flare blasts off the sun. That takes place instantly. The speed of light. Eight minutes it takes that light to go from the sun to the earth. But the coronal mass ejection takes about maybe 10 to 20 hours. So all you have to know is if there's a massive ejection on the sun, flare or CME, the chances of you seeing a potential geostorm, they rate them like one through four and five, you could see the northern lights from Arizona. I've seen them many times too. Uh, really? And wow. it, oh, yeah, absolutely. It's a beautiful sight. Back in 2001, I remember looking into the northern sky when a solar flare blasted off the sun. And at that time, I lived in the near part of central Phoenix. And around midnight or so, not just myself, but all of our neighbors were out there going, look, it looks like a giant forest fire must be taking yeah, place. that's what I would think. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Right. But no, it was actually Mother Nature causing this. Okay. And there's also another phenomenon that people might see quickly. It's called air glow. And air glow may mimic what an aurora is like. But that is a whole different thing. And I sent you a picture. Yes. Your, uh, yes. You know, personal text. I, I got it. That you may want to share. It's amazing. Isn't that incredible? People in Colorado just the other night seeing this greenish streaks of light. So we open up people's minds. What? Here on your show and all other shows that I do to try to talk about the most beautiful thing, living here in this great state of Arizona. Well, Rosie, we have a lot of potential. We're the envy of the nation because still we can get you know, away oh. from the fifth largest city in America and go to see some dark guys. Well, you owe me a favor. Um, you've got my cell number, but my phone is never beside my bed. It's always on the other side of the house. But Jennifer's uh-huh. phone <laughs> is always right beside her bed. I'm going right. to give you Jennifer's phone number, and the next time you see the northern lights... You call and wake us up. I don't care what time of the day or night it is, and we'll we'll jump out and see that. Now I'm going to go hike Humphreys Peak, July 16th, and it's a new moon. Wow. Uh, oh, that's awesome! Can I get to the highest point of Arizona under new moon and kind of look to the north about sunrise? Well, you might be lucky. Okay. You might be lucky, but I'll tell you, you got a deal, Rosie. I'll make sure you send me that number. Okay, I'll keep it by my bedside. All right. and I guarantee you, folks. The skies will light up with that beautiful thing we call auroras, the goddess of the dawn. Now, speaking about lighting up the sky, you're lighting up the sky tonight up on Canyon Lake. Absolutely, we do. This is like our 11th year of the great programs that people tell us they like at the Dolly Steamboat. We call it the Dr. Sky Cruise to the Cosmos. That's pretty much sold out for tonight at 630. But the next one, if people want to go to dollysteamboat.com, our next Dr. Sky Cruise is on Saturday evening, July the 29th, well into monsoon season. But, Rosie, there's so many things people can see in the nighttime sky. Venus and Mars come together in a love affair over the next, well, the next few days and next week. They'll be conjuncting together in the northwest. That's the big bright thing you see in the northwest at night. Okay. And then we look into the morning sky. We got Jupiter and we have Saturn. 
And Rosie, there's so many stories to talk about, about asteroids, comets, and all the things. And don't forget, folks, here's another quick closing one. There are two eclipses that people need to know about of the sun. One takes place October 14th. And if you're up in the four corners of Arizona, you get to see an annular eclipse. That's like taking a quarter and putting a dime on top of it. You'll see the ring of light, like the Johnny Cash ring of fire. Okay. But the really spectacular one, and I know you and I did this when we were heading to to Idaho when we did the eclipse in 2017. We were on. But here's the date, folks. And Rosie, April 8th, 2024, the most magnificent Great American Total Solar Eclipse Part 2 is going to take place across America, but you probably want to be in the great state of Texas because the weather predictions there are probably more favorable. The totality band is over four and a half minutes long. Twice the darkness that what we had before, but guess what? It goes north. It goes up into Arkansas. It goes into southern uh, Illinois. It actually goes to downtown Cleveland, right downtown Buffalo, New York, up along the St. Lawrence Seaway. But unfortunately, those weather conditions around that time in April may not be as good. So we're going to be there. We're trying to be in an okay. auspicious All place, right. Rosie. Okay. Yeah. All right. Downtown Dallas. Well, April isn't bad in Texas. I did get a text from a cousin a uh, day before yesterday and saying Houston was a feel like 113. And, it, <laughs> and it's only going to go. I mean, they're under a huge heat wave That's in Texas. Horrible. Boy, it's bad. Yeah, it is horrible. Our 105 is a lot different than their oh, 105. Oh, let me tell you. They got let the humidity. You're absolutely with. right, Gary. All right, Dr. Sky, proving Rosie wrong that you can, in fact, see the northern lights under the right circumstances right here in Phoenix, Arizona. And don't forget Dr. Sky's Canyon Lake Tours. We've been on it. We've invited you to join us. We had one whole boat. There was almost nothing but Rosie on the House listeners, it was spectacular. If you're looking for something new to do to put on your bucket list in Arizona, get to that Dolly, what, what do they call it? The Dolly? Dolly Steamboat. Steamboat. Dolly, right. Dolly Steamboat. Evening cr- dinner cruise, dinner included. And Dr. Sky's there with his laser flashlights that go 47 million uh light years into the sky and he points out everything that's up there it's a fantastic evening dr sky thanks for letting me bar i I know you're up all night this is probably your regular sleeping hours absolutely i'm going to get back to it but rosie thanks for inviting me into your house and, and god bless everybody as we move into summer of 2023 always remember what keep your eyes to the skies thanks a million really appreciate it Rosie on the house. You can join the family seven days a week, 365 days a year at rosieonthehouse.com. You can become a Rosie on the House insider and subscribe to our email newsletter that's distributed to your email news into your box every Thursday. That email newsletter kind of gives you a tip of what we're going to be covering this particular Saturday. So if it's a topic that's of particular interest of you, you can jump on it and make sure you set your alarm and get there and listen to that particular segment. You can order a homeowner's manual that's also seconds as a calendar that kind of tells you what we're going to cover 
months in advance so you can mark your calendar and be there for that particular broadcast. The other thing we do is we talk about a handy tip of the week, something you should be doing around your house every single week just to kind of keep up with the odds and ends. And the tip we're talking about this particular week is preparing for the monsoon. Now, we are officially in monsoon, and you wouldn't know it by looking at the weather. 5% humidity today in the Valley of the Sun. That hardly qualifies as what we hope for uh, in the monsoon, but it is coming. We need the hot heat. We've got the 110s, 111s, 112s here stacking up for the next 10 days, couple weeks. Hopefully that redirects the wind currents to come from the west, move it around to the south, bring in all that moisture from the uh, tropics and Mexico and Gulf of California, bring us that moisture that will then create in the seasonal monsoon rains, which is when we get the great majority of our rain in Arizona. It's very sporadic, uh, very very typically, they're not statewide. Uh, Glendale could get hit hard. Just last year, uh, North Mesa got hit hard, and power lines were taken down along the Bush Highway. And uh, at my house in Scottsdale, we didn't get anything. We stayed bone dry. Uh, so that's very typical of monsoon, very spotty, but it generally, over the course of the season, hits every single corner of the state with a little bit of rain. It can also carry with it big, heavy winds. You have to be prepared for that. Make sure your awnings are rolled up. Make sure your backyard patio umbrellas are folded and tied down. The lightweight patio furniture gets moved in underneath the patio. And make sure you've got everything anchored down. It's an excellent time right now to have one of the Rosie certified roofers come out and give visual checks of your roof and make sure your roof is ready for the monsoon. While you're out driving around, never cross a flooded crossing, ever. Just don't do it. It's not worth it. So be very, very careful of road crossing. People don't realize that in our monsoon, very often there is accompanied by hail. So be prepared for that. But the one thing I want you to be most aware of is the lightning, okay? Lightning can travel 40 miles horizontally. So you do that, that, that thunderclap, 1001, 1002, 1003 scenario, and you figure, oh, that's far enough. I don't need to worry about it. No, lightning can travel 40 miles. And when it hits, it's 300 million volts. It's 50,000 degrees. How hot is 50,000 degrees? Let me tell you, the sun is 10,000 degrees. Lightning is 50,000 degrees. The fact that anything, anybody could ever be hit by lightning and survive is truly a miracle. Be especially careful of lightning, okay? It's, it is a bad booger, and it hits in a strike zone that's about the size of your thumbprint. So if you take ink and thumbprint your thumbprint on a piece of paper, an area that big, 
is going to be hit with 300 million volts, 50,000 degree temperature. Got your attention? <laughs> and, and you'll know if it was close because oh. usually when the light hits and you hear immediately that explosion. The, la- the last time I was, I was talking about climbing Humphreys Peak coming up in a couple weeks, the last time I climbed Humphreys, I got to the saddle, I got to the first false summit, I got to that second saddle, going up to the second false summit, and, and out of nowhere, there was a lightning bolt that literally almost put me to my knees. And baby... I got on my knees and I crawled back down into the trees <laughs> as fast. I was so close, but I nah. Lightning isn't anything I ever fool with. It's nothing I want any of you to ever fool and with. And you have to realize you're at twelve thousand feet, so you're oh, in the clouds. Oh baby, so. you're right there. Woo. All right, folks, that wraps up another Saturday show of Rosie on Now's broadcast. And uh, don't get scared. You can find us at rosieonnows.com every minute. Between now and when we start the next show, next Saturday at 8 o'clock in the morning.